Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation this morning is written for us in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. We read in Jesus' name. This saying is trustworthy and worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But I was shown mercy for this reason, that in me, the worst sinner, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his unlimited patience as an example for those who are going to believe in him, resulting in eternal life. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Please be seated. In Jesus the Christ, the Savior of sinners, dear fellow redeemed. This section of Paul's first epistle to Timothy is, is well known to many in Christendom. It is often quoted as a, a section of great comfort for those that have sinned and to be reminded of who Jesus came to save. He came not to save the holy, but to save the sinners. So even this is, even though this is probably a well-known part of God's word for you, I, I want to take some time to dig a little deeper into it today. Because it's very easy to read these, these words of comfort and quickly gloss over them without truly contemplating them and taking them to heart. Our text begins by Paul saying this is a trustworthy saying and, and worthy of full acceptance. And then he says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And that's, that's normally where we view that saying as finished. But Paul adds on, of whom I am the worst. Even if you were going to say that that wasn't part of Paul's trustworthy saying, this is in God's word. And therefore, that part of the statement is also trustworthy and true and worthy of full acceptance. Paul saw himself as the worst of sinners. And if you were to read the verses before, he actually lists three sins, that he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent man. So Paul held up his previous activity against Christ and against his church as proof that he was the worst of, of sinners. I would also say that in Christendom, there is a general acceptance that we need to see ourselves, as Paul saw himself, as the worst of sinners. And we generally want to put ourselves down there with, with Paul, 
and say, yeah, I'm just like everyone else. I'm a, I'm a sinner too. But notice that Paul didn't say, I am a sinner. He said, I'm the worst sinner. Is that how you view yourself? As the worst sinner. And if it is true that we'd view ourselves as Paul viewed himself, and we were to take hold of that, that label and say, I am the worst sinner, what would be the evidence that would support that label? I know for myself, and as I've talked to Christians, both as a pastor and as a friend, normally when Christians hold on to that label and claim it, they will look at the magnitude of their sin. And they'll say things, well, when I was 16, I did. Or when I was 39... I did. And they, they look at those, those big sins of their past and they say, see, there's the evidence I'm the worst of sinners. And in a sense, that's what Paul did too, blasphemer, persecutor, a violent man. But one part of our guilt before God that we often forget is not the magnitude, but it's the multitude. If you consider for a moment that God's law requires that we love Him with our entire being, heart, mind, soul, strength, everything, every second, every moment of our life, and any time that we are not loving God completely, We are sinning against the Almighty. So what is the multitude? What is the quantity of your sin? Not just those big things, but the number. And then when we compare our pile to everyone else, won't we all conclude along with Paul, Lord, have mercy on me. I am the worst of them all. Yes, our sins are as great as Paul's and as great as everyone else's. We can rightly claim the title, Worst of Sinners. And it is true. But thanks be to God that Jesus came to save people like Paul, people like you and me. He came to save us all. So Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, to save you. And that's where God really wants us to be led into this text. He doesn't want us leaving here this morning thinking, oh, I'm such a miserable person. 
He wants you to leave knowing that God loves miserable people just like you. And Paul tells us in the second verse of our text that he was shown that mercy so that God could demonstrate his unlimited patience. God is patient with sinners. In his general epistle, Peter says that God is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting any to perish. So God has been patient with, our, with you throughout your sinful life because he does not want you to perish. He wants to save you through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And he wants you to believe that. Paul specifically writes that his example was given for those who would believe and so Paul's example is an example for you. God was patient with Paul. And he has been patient with you because he loves you. Probably the, one of the clearest examples of patience, at least that comes to my mind, is that of a, a parent and a child. Three-year-old, four-year-old who has just learned to tie their shoes. Mum's in a hurry to get out the door. Get your shoes on. She wants to help. No, 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 Mum, I can do it. I can do it. And maybe you've been there. It's, oh, come on. Okay. And we'll discipline ourselves to be patient. But let's face it, sometimes our patient runs, patience runs out. And we're done. Not necessarily in a good way either. God's unlimited patience. God never loses his patience with you. And the only reason for that is because of what Jesus did. Jesus transferred all of that guilt that we were talking about before. He transferred it to himself. And he, he took those sins away. He, he bore their punishment in full. So that God's anger over you is, is dissipated. It's gone. Because Jesus faced it on your behalf. Because of Jesus, God has an unlimited patience for you. He's never going to throw up his arms and say, I'm done. But throughout your life, he keeps coming to you and assuring you that he loves you and he forgives you through Jesus. But there's a mistake that Christians make with regards to this unlimited patience. It doesn't say unlimited time. We can look at this great gift of grace that God has given us. And we can look at how he's been patient with us throughout our life. And when it comes to our sins, we can think, I've always got tomorrow. That's not a promise that God makes to you. 
And so he calls you to repentance. He calls you to turn from your sin and to believe in Jesus the Savior. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day to see that you are the worst of sinners and that Jesus came to save you. So no matter what the sins are, big, small, numerous, today God is calling you to turn from them and to believe in Jesus, your Savior. May he grant you a rich measure of his Spirit. May he open your heart to see you as he sees you as someone he loves and has redeemed. And may he fill you with all the hope of eternal life. To him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, acknowledging the mountain of our sins. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. We have sinned against you when we knew what we were doing was wrong. For all of these sins, we deserve your temporal and eternal punishment. But we give thanks and praise to you that in your love you sent Jesus to take away our sins. Pour out your Spirit upon us and strengthen us in our faith that even though our guilt is huge, we would see that your grace in Jesus is greater still. Bless us that we would leave here today confident of your love. Change us inside and out with this grace that we would live according to your will. Defend us from all of the attacks of the evil one and help us to be lights in this dark and sinful world. We pray also that you would bless our summer recreation and keep us safe as we uh, rest up and are ready for the, the new school year. We commend all things into your loving hands. In Jesus' name, amen.
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.